to Talking with Two. Dude, so glad you came in. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course, Bro. man. I've been trying to get you for a good while now, man. Um, so one thing that I wanted to start with is uh, I've seen your videos, especially the one where you were on. Was it on KSAT, dude? Or what, what was that? Like on the news? When you had the hat on and like you're on the news? Oh, yeah. No alcohol, right? That's, that's it. <laughs> 17 what years was, old. What was that about? It was Ken's Five. I used to throw raves. I used to throw parties at a place mm-hmm. called Studio 7. Okay. And that's this is when the raves were cool. This is when raves had started. Right now, raves are still cool. Don't get me wrong. Right. But this is when they had started. And I used to throw raves at 17. You know, it was fun. Yeah. Um, everyone that would go was my age. Um, there was this, uh, and I'm sure, I don't know, maybe they'll be listening. There was this one girl that showed up. And when she uh, showed up, she was like, I don't want to pay. I don't want to get in. Mm-hmm. And uh, the door person at the time was my mom. Oh, okay. That's how I used to do these events, <laughs> dude. And she told her, well, you're not going to, if you want to come in, have a good time. There's a cover charge. So she mm-hmm. paid the cover charge. She went in, right? Well, towards the end of the night, this mom shows up. Uh-oh. And it's maybe midnight, you know, 1230. And a mom <laughs> shows up. And she's there going to the front. And she starts screaming at my mom. But my mom's the door lady. Yeah. And she starts screaming, where's my daughter at? I've been texting her all night. She hasn't oh, responded shit, to me. Dude. Where is she at? Blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And, well, the daughter finally walks up to there. And my uh, basically the mom and uh, her started saying, give me a refund. Give me a refund. I want a refund on whatever she paid to get the, in. The daughter said that or the mom said that? The for, mom. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. She was like, give her a refund. Blah, blah, blah. Well, <laughs> the door lady was my mom. And she said, I'm not giving you no refund. Your daughter was here the entire night. It's already going to be 2 a.m., almost 2 (laughs) a.m. You're not getting no refund. So that angered the mom. Mm. So what she did after that was, and we were still partying there, she went outside and she called uh, the news. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) my God, bro. I don't know what she did, dude. For real? Yeah, she called the news. Jesus So uh, I was still partying inside, and I was the one running the entire event. Right. And you were how old when you did that? I was 17. Jesus, bro. I was 17. (laughs) And so I finally, um, it was like, you know, the event had uh, ended. Mm. I had left the event place. Everything had closed. Right. I started heading home. Okay. Where once I showed up to my parents' house, I still live in my parents' house. Okay. I see a Ken's 5 new studio car outside my parents' house. <laughs> I don't know how they got my parents' address. Yeah, Maybe but they did. Google or yeah, somehow. something. But they found my address, my Damn, parents' address. Dude. And they were parked outside their waiting uh-huh. So when I pulled in, I was like, damn, they showed up. Okay, well, <laughs> what am I going to do? I had my freaking rock star energy. Yeah, on. I saw that. Bro. I had that a good night. I just finished at a rave. It was fun. So I uh, go out there, get out of my parents' car from the back of the truck. Mm. Like, damn. I was like, you know what? I'm going to talk to them. And I go, and there's a lady with the microphone. Uh, Excuse me, sir. Can exactly. you tell us about Exactly. Yeah, she was yeah. like, what do you want to say about, was your party too mature? Did you have a too mature party? And I was like, what? I was like, oh man, this is, this is cool. <laughs> I was like, what? I was already like, man, this is crazy. I show up back home and there's a news lady here, like mm. family guy type man. thing, Tristan uh, talking uh, <laughs> like, give me the answers. <laughs> so I'm there and I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll answer the questions, whatever. I show up and she was, and the one question she asked was, was your party too mature? Was your party too mature? Uh-huh. And I said, uh, no, my party wasn't too mature. And then she starts saying, were there underage go-go dancers at your party? 
And I was like, no, there is no underage go-go dancers at my there party. There was overage go-go dancers, yeah, yeah, but not yeah. under. No. Yeah, and I was, I was 17 at the time, right? Mm. So, so and then the third question she asked, was there any alcohol at the party? Was there any alcohol? And you said. And, uh, and uh, I said, there was no alcohol. <laughs> they checked bags at the front. There yeah. was no alcohol. And they just were asking these questions, blah, 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 blah. And then from there, she basically, and I had answered at least five to 10 questions. Uh-huh. Uh, the next, no, actually, it was live that night. It was the exclusive. No way. Ken's they didn't even five. edit it. They're like, put this on they now. Straight on, on now. now. Yeah, because basically the story was underage dancers. It was like a strip oh, club. Damn. It was a rave. Yeah. Go-Go dancers were big back then. That's what it was. It was just a, a rave that they had. Hold on, hold on, I don't mean to cut you off, but like when you mean go to go go dances, you mean like when they have like the furry boots, like the furry stuff, and like the fishnets and all that. Is that what that is? Yes. Right. Okay. Okay. Except back then, go go dancers. I mean, now I don't know if they even exist anymore. The raves, but back then, go go dancers were the stars of the show. There was a stage and there was platforms for these dancers. Oh, okay. No, that's cool. We can get yeah. Go, go ahead, man. Um. Yeah, we can keep recording. It's cool. <laughs> Is it the cops? No, it's the... the I can't talk. <laughs> I was like, it's No, it's the oh, favorite guy. Oh, it's the beer. <laughs> it's the favorite guy. Dude, yeah. you know what I put on my... Uh, when I On my DoorDash, I put do not knock. Because <laughs> really? I, I have a dog. And she's an Australian shepherd. And Uh-oh. every time they knock on the door, she goes crazy. And she really? has anxiety. Because she barks like when she hears a knock. Oh, yeah. So I put on DoorDash, do not knock. Yeah. And now, now I'm getting on that. <laughs> No, nah, it's cool. We can keep that. But anyways, dude, um, so you were already making moves at that age. Like, you were already doing things, right? Like, out of the ordinary teenager. I've been on stage since I was eight years old. But I've been doing events since I was, like, 16 years old. Mm. The very first event I did was a charity event. And it was a donation for children. Okay. And it was at a place called Klux Bar or Klutz Bar or something. Something. It doesn't exist. Something. It doesn't exist anymore, Yeah, of it's long gone. <laughs> but yeah, but I did it there and I was able to get on Good Morning uh, G- GMSA and mm. show the event. And a lot of people showed up and I was able to donate a good amount to this children's charity. Okay. And that was the first event I ever did, mm. ever. And from there, I sparked my interest in throwing events. And then I started getting opportunities with other, um, the place was called Studio 7. And that's when you started networking because of what you were doing, right? It's all who Perfect, you know. dude. It's all who you yes. know, bro. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I got in there and people, you know, some of the stories I say, people won't believe me. I was 16, 17 years old, but I was the promoters of these shows. I mean, I was there managing and brought DMX to San Antonio. Uh-huh. And I did that entire event. The owners, all they did was pay it, but I yeah. was in charge of doing everything else. So okay, like, like to manage the whole thing. Okay, exactly. gotcha. And then yeah. I got my cut from it. And not many people believed it. I brought DMX. I had brought, you know, my rave events. I had mm. WWE wrestlers there. I had these events um, that had WWE wrestlers fighting. I had, at my raves themselves, I had um, Fukashi or Takashi. I don't even remember. It's Fukashi. Takashi 69? No, no, I oh, wish, dude. No. I wish. Wait, we're thinking way too ahead. Yeah, my bad, way my too bad. ahead. This Going is feature. Like this is like 2008, right? 2008, yes. <laughs> His name was Fukashi. He was okay. a Chinese wrestler. There was wrestlers that showed up. Like, it was a big thing at that time. That Studio 7, but that's when raves were big. That's when events right. were popping. That's yeah, when yeah. people had more of a better time back. That's when, you know, COVID didn't exist when people just don't want to go Man, out. Those are the it days. It was dude. the days. So those I, are the days. I took it, I took advantage of that time and I started throwing my own events. I had some 
they call I call them 3D raves. And what I did was I had bought these uh, glasses that had these uh, spear things in the eyes. Like mm-hmm. it, it's a light refractor uh, glasses. Okay. And I had invested in them for every every single attendee that showed up. Uh-huh. They get one of these glasses. And when you go into this event, you put the glasses on, uh-huh. but it was filled with lasers, 360 across the entire venue. So it would reflect off the glasses. So when you look into the glasses, like a kaleidoscope, uh-huh. every single <laughs> so yeah, every guy. single light That's refragment tight. had yeah. these lights going on and off everywhere. And I would I would provide these to people that show up to my events. So mm-hmm. I call them 3D light shows, you know, raves. I had um, Grizzly was one of my headliners, one of my biggest events. I called it Evolution. Nice. With a three. Because that was my third event. I brought Crisley down. He was the biggest DJ now. He, that guy's playing EDC. He's playing, you know. That's tight. Biggest stuff. But I was able to get him a headline. And that was one of my biggest events. Mm. But because I had that bad publicity, and I consider it bad from... You think so? It was bad PR? Yes, excuse me. Because in the rave community, there's a thing called plur. Please... Peace, love, unity, and respect. Okay. And I had broken one of the biggest laws, which was like the respect. And of a, and also, it was very underground. And I brought a very commercial approach to it. I had got something that was underground, and I got it on the news, and it made it look bad a little bit. So even though you didn't intentionally do that, it still reflects on you that it happened, right? Moral, morally, yes. And because at that time, you know, and even then I love EDM music. At that time I was huge about it. I respected I still love it to this day. I respected that, you know what, this event got the bad publicity of raves, and I'm not going to be the guy that continues to do this because I brought a little bit of disrespect towards this genre. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to stop doing this. Okay. I know when my time's up, when doing something like that so even though i did bring big event big events and started going bigger mm. i cut it because morally i had kind of disrespected the community by being on the television and being the guy that they had connected raised being bad Ooh, with. okay and, so I, and there was a lot of other promoters using that also on me to say hey this guy, our our raves are better than his because of this. Oh, so I was fuck. like, I don't want no drama. I'm so just... it's kind of like tarnished your name a little bit, right? Like yes, at that time. Okay. So I was like, I I don't want to I don't want to continue um, doing this because morally I don't feel right doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. not you know, money's great, but I don't care about that. It's I really love the music, so I just cut it out, and then from there I started focusing more on. You know myself, my okay. band, more okay. and stuff. Right, right. It was a really great time period of my life, <laughs> and I used to rave like crazy. Even my brother over here, we used to run the lights and like, dude, it was amazing. But I was also young, and that going back on that new segment you're talking about, mm. that's when they had caught me in a wrong time. But I also did sales. Like I'm 17. What do you expect? It's like, and that's the only thing they quoted me on. You know, I had 10 things I said that night that were really good, but what in the news they used. Was where I said they twist your words, they, right? They twist my yes, words. Yes, dude. And, uh, like, basically, it was like, oh, there was no alcohol at the door, and yes, there was lots of blah 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 there. But I'm 17. What do you expect? That was the only thing in the news. Mm. So it was a a bittersweet moment, rave time. So I still attend raves, but I don't throw raves. Gotcha. Okay. Damn, dude. That. Man, thinking back when I was 17, I wasn't doing anything like that. I was just trying to get drunk. <laughs> I was getting other, older people to buy me alcohol and just fucking get drunk. Why do you think I do these events? <laughs> <laughs> right, but you did it with finesse, bro. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wanted to be the only one there getting drinks. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. 
So speaking of uh, uh, news outlet, I'm glad you brought that up. I noticed with a lot of the power moves that you're doing now, uh, whenever you post something on, on Facebook or Instagram, like I, I look it up on Google and it's there. So how, how does that work when it comes to uh, having an article posted? I mean, I don't know if you want to reveal secrets. That's, that's entirely up to you. But like, does it take a lot of work to do it? Does it take money to do it? Like, if you don't want to say too much about it, I respect that. But like, how does that work to get to get it in there? Like in the search engine, you know what I mean? Yes. So number one thing is like me, I have my own website. So what I did with my website was I put, it's called SEO, search engine optimization. Mm -hmm. And what you do with that is you put, it's called a schema too. It connects with Google. You put all this information in your website and Google runs through your own website and they basically see you as someone because of the information on your website, right? Right. So it registers with Google as that person, me being someone now because of my website. So now the articles that you're talking about, basically what I do is I do make my own press releases. Mm. And what you do is you mass you mass send it out to any, um, basically even like San Antonio Current, Express News, you send it to them. Uh, Yahoo News, you send it to them. Do you manually do it yourself? You or? have to manually send okay, it okay. to editors. Okay. It is not going to be guaranteed that an editor is going to pick it up. And there has been, like, say with Forbes. I've never been on Forbes because I have sent it. But it's at the time, right now, what they're saying is you have to be an agency or a business. To, to be considered to be, be on Forbes. I'm a freelancer. I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur on my own. Wait. Oh, sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. My bad, dude. So Forbes is where it keeps up with people, like, making power moves and with businesses and all that, right? Like Forbes yes. Magazine? So you basically. Dude, you were on Forbes, bro. That's tight, bro. No. So basically, you have to be a business to be on Forbes. I was on Yahoo. I've been on Disrupt Magazine. I've been on CNN, ABC, and all those. But, you know, those big ones, like even like Rolling Stone, you still have to be notable and they have to pick it up. Okay. You know, even locally, if you send a press release to them, they, and I've sent multiple press releases to, like, say, the San Antonio Current, and they don't pick it up. It's very rare, and you have to get lucky to get picked up by one of these places. But if you have a notable story, mm. if you have something that's worth of value and something that other people aren't doing... Or we're talking about, I guess. talking about, whether okay. it's bad or good, they pick it up. I see. And those are on the larger ends. On the smaller ends, if we're talking marketwatch.com, okay. if we're talking um, smaller, like... You know, Ken's Five and all them. Mm -hmm. The only way you could get on them is basically they do accept press releases that are generally sent to them without even reading them. So those are easier sites to get on. When you say press release releases, like what does that mean exactly? For someone that's like, what is a press release? Find something that you're doing that's notable and different. And uh, you could hire a writer or if you're a good writer, get them to write at least, you know, four to five paragraphs of your story or announcement. And even though you've been doing something for a long time, if you don't have something new, like right now, I have announcements of, say, an NFT project or going on tour here in May with Ingwi Mounts. Right, and which right now, NFT is pretty hot topic. So Yes, so these are new things that are announcement worthy. Mm -hmm. So when you have something to provide in that sense, you know, these news articles are looking for something that people are going to comment on, things with opinion. Or, or flock to or gravitate to, right? Yes. Okay. So just because you're a great person, just because you've done a lot of things doesn't mean they're going to 
pick up your article. So like with instance for me, my thing would be I'm a local San Antonio native person who now I have, you know, 200,000 followers on TikTok. That's something a little bit of newsworthy, whether it's for a local person or for even somewhere. They they now respect me a little more uh-huh. to now if I release something newsworthy like this new NFT project and I send the right press release written the right way mm. and it gets accepted, mm. they're willing to release that because it's newsworthy. For instance, you know, with like NFTs, I'm sure we'll get into it. Yes. Changing the music industry. Yes, yes, of course. It's something newsworthy and that's kind of what they pick up on it so i guess a press release in general is um anything that you put on the internet right like because it could be anything because i noticed with my band with marilla vo bro twitter instagram if i if i put the word marilla vo and i type in marilla vo on google it's there and boom all this shit comes up right so is that what you mean like i want to consider that a press release but to me it's like the keywords are in there for the search engine so yeah, a right? press is release that... is basically just a document or a written release. Something of... to be tied to the search engine or? The way the search engines pick it up is through keywords. Right, so yes. So within that actual press release, if you're, if say Marilla Vo is in there, those words, Marilla Vo, which is why if you search right now on Google or mm-hmm. Doodle Night, you're going to see a lot of articles about Jesse Kill. You're going to see a lot of articles about... Ingwe Mountstein, because my name is in there mm-hmm. because it's in the article. Okay. And as long as your name is in one of those keywords, as long as it's typed in that article. It ties everything together, it right? It ties like, it all together. Oh, yeah, dude. It's all keywords. <laughs> so that's why I'm very uh, blessed, I would say, because I not I have the band, but I also have the business, but I also have a lot of stuff that I do where right. when people mention my name, it all gets put under that search engine. And then Jesse Kill comes up with anything that you're doing because it's in it's in that search engine, exactly, right? Exactly, as us. long as it's there. And going back with the internet, dude, um, is that something that also helped you, like, push you after the raves to start working for yourself and start making power moves? Because from what I see on social media, bro, is that you know your shit. Like, you know, like, what you should do to gain more revenue and not just work like the regular nine to five. Yes and no. So after I did those raves, I still was still a teenager. <clears throat> I was still a teenager. So I didn't actually even care about business. I didn't care about anything about making money. Mm. Probably all the way up until I was probably in my late twenties. So yes, I was still working very hard, but at the same time, I wasn't fully mature yet. I was still, okay. you know, once I had, once that had actually had happened, I had continued working and working. I'd worked for some agencies, you know, I was skipping from agency to agency, a print company to a print company. And I finally just realized, you know, I think I was probably 18, 19 years old. Okay. Hey, I just want to work for myself now. I'm done being screwed over by these companies over and over. To being, work for someone else, work right? For someone else. It's <laughs> like, let me just take that leap of faith and just try to work for myself. Oh, yeah. So I did. Um, well, I didn't even mention I had college before that, which I dropped out of also, which was leading up with all that together. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so I left college and then I said, let me just try working on my own. So what I had ended up doing was telling all my friends and I had, you know, I had made flyers for Chris Brown. I had to make flyers for, you know, lots of big people back then when I was younger because I had the opportunity to make it for $10 a flyer. So I was like, if I could do that, imagine what I can do by myself if I just right. tried. So... I just started messaging people, emailing the people I knew, mm-hmm. started trying to get work, trying to get jobs, trying to get, you know, something, some way, some opportunity. Uh, there, there's one thing I want to say, bro. Like, 
people some there are people out there that that argue that it's about the people that you know but i will say this though bro you know the people that you know because of the footwork that you put in yourself like and you can correct me if i'm wrong dude i just feel like you know people's like oh well it's about who you know bro and this and that i was like okay well i feel like that i know the people that i know because i reached out and started like you know sending emails like you said dude and um I guess that's how you ended up doing flyers for Chris Brown, right? Because you started like your network started building because you did the footwork to meet those people, right? Well, explain that to me, dude. How did you get how, end up doing a flyer for Chris Brown? My dad is Chuck Berry. Okay. The famous guitarist from the 1970s. Mm. I'm just my dad. I was like, I was like, okay, okay, all right. No. My dad is and not then? Chuck. <laughs> and then my dad's not Chuck Berry. No, I literally built everything from scratch. Because of the relationships I built since I was eight years old. Exactly. Okay. Okay. And but you still did the footwork to get those relationships. I did all like, the footwork it didn't fall to on get your it, lap, But you know? at the same time, you know, I'll give you one explanation of a, uh, you know, I'm going to put on only your talk show right now of one way that I made a relationship mm. that built into a very strong, valuable relationship with has to do with D. Snyder, Twisted Sister, and his family, and how I got into there. You know, when I was 17 years old, 16 years old, mm -hmm. I sent a, uh, I was on YouTube and I saw a short film mm -hmm. and this short film was amazing. Okay. And it was from a friend named Cody Blue Snyder. And uh, well, now he's my friend, but then mm -hmm. his name was Cody Blue Snyder. Cody Blue Snyder. Okay. I checked out the short film and I said, man, this is amazing. I would yeah. love to get involved somehow with this guy's team or something. Right, right. So what I did was I went to his YouTube channel. This was back in 2015, 2014. And I messaged him saying, hey, I'm willing to build you a free website if you uh, just give me the opportunity. I love your work and I want to build something to show your work off, but online. Yeah. And he responded. <laughs> and he's tight, like, dude. I'm open for it. Let's do it. And I said, okay. It only, it only took me about less than a week to build that website. And he loved it. And I was the first person, which I, now I know now. I was the first person who gave him that support to put his work on online because mm. he had barely started as a filmmaker then. But I didn't know that. What year was this again? It was probably like 2014. Okay. All right. Continue. And uh, so I built the website for him and he said, I'm coming out with a film called Fool's Day. And this film was done very professionally. His dad was in it. And keep in mind, his dad is Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister. Yeah. So he had his dad in there is lots of, celebrities and it was a big film so i had helped them with the website for that film uh -huh. and we had built the fool's day website we had built the um credits the contact page everything and i did it all everything to the littlest detail all for free i did it all for free for him did all that work and dude. because i did that you know i had got his respect i supported him but i also believed in him yeah of course <clears throat> He had got lots of opportunity from that website. Mm. Uh, you know, he had South by Southwest people looking at his thing. Okay, okay. He had big uh, big people in different agencies just looking at his stuff now because he had an online presence. So that's where it's set. I made the website. It was free. Mm. Well, get this. Around not even less than six months after that, and he's saying, hey, it just so happened I was in Vegas. At the same time, he was in Vegas. <laughs> Tight, yeah, and not just him, but his dad. Yeah. Also. So he's like, "Hey, man, come, come chill with us. Yeah, like, let's so talk." It was a, it was at the Hard Rock Hotel in Vegas. Mm. Twisted Sister, Excite, Skid Row, and I forgot who else was playing. But Twisted mm. Sister was the headliner, and Cody just sends me a text message while I'm partying in Vegas. 
hey, do you want to meet my dad? And I was like, your dad, Twisted Sister, D. Snyder. Well, no crap, I want to meet your dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, hell yeah, I want to meet your dad. So he was able to get me into the concert for free. <laughs> and it was actually me and, and her here. We uh-huh. went into the concert for free. And I met Cody there for the first time in person. Okay. And I was like, hey, bro, nice to meet you. And yeah. then from there... <clears throat> he was, uh, we partied all night. We were drinking, watching his dad perform. And he did amazing. Then at the end of the night, he says, do you want to meet, meet my dad? And I was like, hell yeah, dude. Let's go. <laughs> Fucking D. Snyder, dude. Exactly, dude. So I was trying to play it cool, but at the same time, I'm like, man, I'm about to meet D. Snyder. From one thing I learned, dude, is like, keep it in your head. Just don't say anything. Like, you know, scream like a girl in your head. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, bro, nice to meet you. <laughs> oh, cool. I just, exactly. How you doing, sir? <laughs> exactly. So, uh, I go with Cody, uh. and a uh, cool story too. We're walking up. We get to the stairs. We get to the security, and security looks at me, and I'm literally walking with Cody, which is D's su- D's su- D's son. It's weird, is it D's son? D's son. D's nuts. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. D's son. D's, D's, D's. And also uh, his wife. Uh-huh. His wife. So I was walking with his wife and Cody. And we're walking. They're like, come up. Let's go upstairs and meet uh, D. So I was like, cool. Well, once we get up there, the security's like, hey, you can't get in unless like, you have yeah, one can, of those bro. VIP specific Lanyards. things, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Me and her, we didn't have one. So Cody's like, here. He puts his on, on mine, right? Let's <laughs> fucking tight. Right? And uh, his wife goes and puts her sticker on, her, on hers. On yeah. hers. Uh-huh. So they're like, is this good enough to get him in? Okay. Yeah, fuck fine. it. Come on in. Exactly. So they let, they let us in. <laughs> Dude, I walk just a few steps into this hallway. And the first people I see is Eddie Trunk from VH1's That Metal Show. Dude. And then I see um, Mike Portnoy from Dream Theater uh-huh. back there. Uh-huh. I'm seeing tons of people that I recognize. Big names. Big names. And... I'm there with D's son walking, and he's bringing me through. Like, hey, come on, come with me, come with me. And I'm like, holy crap! Well, everyone's waiting there for D to come out. Mm. Finally, after like um, 15, 20 minutes, D he finished cleans up. He comes out. He's like, hey, everyone! Everyone starts storming him. They're like, hey, la, 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 la. oh damn! When I saw everyone storm, I was like, I'm not gonna get involved with them. I'm just gonna wait. Yeah, just chill. Outside. I'm just gonna yeah, chill. Just chill, man. Yeah. I ended up talking with the manager of uh, DJ Ashba. She was also there. Mm-hmm. She manages him, but she was there. It was in Vegas, of course, and he lives in Vegas. So after that had happened, um, finally, Cody's like, hey, you want to meet Dad? I was like, let's go. Except he didn't say, you're not going to meet him here in this room with everyone here. I'm going to take him to his private green room. He didn't say that, but you were like, yeah, sure, whatever. Exactly. And then you started walking, right? Exactly. So he started walking, <laughs> and he takes me in and takes takes us into the green room uh-huh. and there's you can see in the back this is the green room it's posters of rolling stone all on the walls green day you know rolling uh foo fighters i mean metallica all filled with rolling stones covers kind of like an ambient place where where right? the rock stars yeah out. okay okay so then finally d comes out and he just shows up to me huge guy He's like, hey, what's up? He's like, Cody's told me so much about you guys and this and that. I'm like, wow, D. Snyder. So we took pictures, and from there I realized I made this relationship happen through a DM on YouTube mm-hmm. only because I believed in his work and I gave something for free. And that's how I built this relationship. And now to this day, actually, day before yesterday, Cody, he had messaged me on Instagram. He's like, I'm so proud of you. 
is like you've come so far. Uh, because also me and Cody, we have a very tight relationship. He gave me a lot of power that I have now. And he told me, you've come so far. But I think you've earned it, though. I have. You, well, you did been, the work to earn it, man. It, yeah, you know I've, been, I've been. I've come a long way, bro. But I, it's just, you know, going back on relationships and how you make them, it's all... It's all the universe working it out, but it's also just reaching out sometimes to people without thinking that they're not going to respond or thinking that they're too big of a person to not respond to you. If you just take that leap of faith, sometimes it works. Yes. So I'm glad you brought that up, man, because I know before we started this podcast, you talked about manifestation. And one thing I've been thinking recently, dude, uh, coming like coming into terms and realization, realization with it. Is that the more that I like think about it and the more that I like set it into stone that it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And um, going back to your story, dude, is like make the effort to reach out knowing that it's already going to happen. You know what I mean? Um, sorry, I'm kind of getting lost. Oh, right. What you said, like manifesting, dude. And, and now I believe that what I'm going to get, I'm going to fucking get no matter what, man. Even if it's not today, in three months, six months, like I told you, I was trying to buy a house, bro. It's not gonna happen today, but I know it's gonna happen. It has to be in the perfect timing. Yes, if it you, happens if, the way it's supposed to happen when it happens. The way the universe works is once you start wanting and needing, is when you start putting this aggressive energy towards what you, the universe is giving you. Let me ask you something, bro. Do do you believe that? All right, obviously take action. But do you think like like mentally believing that it's going to be a factual thing in your life, do you think that has like a lot to do with it happening? That's exactly it. That's badass, bro. I've it's even fucking heard, sick. I've even heard it might sound, you know, sounds crazy. No, say it, bro. I'm a listener. They did a study and there was about five to ten people who they put in a room and they had them work out all day. Mm-hmm. And they said, if you weigh this now, we're going to weigh you at the end of this and see how healthy you are. We're going to test your blood, blah, 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 right? And then they also got another five to 10 people who were just sitting in a chair mm-hmm. thinking about oh, working shit. out. <laughs> like they had their eyes closed uh-huh. and they envisioned themselves doing this, working out all day, doing whatever you want on your body that you want to look the way you want or whatever you want to build on. And they put two different rooms, two different sections of people. And at the end of the test, they actually did the blood test. They did the energy test. They did that. They found that the people who actually sat still in a chair. Who were idle. Who were idle. Uh Just thinking about them working out. Had more energy, more healthiness. Fuck, bro. And more everything than the actual people who were actually working out physically. Which comes into this thing of, can he actually believe that I want to look like this? I want to do this. I want to feel like this. And by just sitting in a chair and believing it, can it happen? And that's where more things are showing. Like, Dude. Hey, <laughs> it can actually happen. And that's the way I believe in things too is, at first, yes, don't get me wrong. You have to work on the stuff that you right. do. You need you to take action. To, you need to take yeah. action. But the underlying thing of it is, if action isn't 100% going in your way and you still feel that I'm not doing enough, sometimes it comes into just going to bed and saying it's going to work no matter what. Yeah. Just and not right now. Just not right now. Just not right now. But you'll be surprised to see maybe even the next morning it happens. 
because you let go and you let the universe take over and you let go of that negative intention towards that happening. Because mm. once you put a negative intention towards it happening, it hinders it. I, it, that's hinder, what yeah. it hinders it. So until you have a hundred percent control on this thought that is a hundred percent positive, there can't even be one negative one percent thought towards it because it's going to hinder it. But if there's a hundred percent thought towards this thing happening, I guarantee it's going to happen. As crazy that's as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, no, I honestly don't think it's crazy, dude. Like I said before we started, like I was getting goosebumps just thinking about the positivity and how much that I have now and how much power it has over like the will. See, see what I believe in, dude, is like the mind is a powerful thing, right? My younger self would have been like, oh, okay, stupid, whatever. But now, dude, I really believe it because there's another study, and I'll tell you about this, dude, and for everyone listening too, is that they, they put, uh, I, I don't know if it was a rat or a hamster in a tube, right? And they filled it with water. And they were seeing how long the hamster would drown. Well, after like a few minutes, obviously it got exhausted and it started to jump where they picked it up. So then they put it back in. But this time... It lasted hours without drowning because they knew that someone was going to come pick it up. So it's all like a fucking mind thing, bro. Like it pushes your body past the limits and it pushes you to do things that you don't want to fucking do, man. You know what I mean? And with that being said, with you going to college, bro, and I want you to bring that story up again because I think that's fucking cool. So tell me that. T- tell us that story, bro. How like you had warm beers in your backpack and like you're running late. <laughs> how I dropped out. Yep. I'll tell you a story how I dropped out. I love telling this story because it was the time I felt at the worst in my life. I guess not the worst in my life. Like the right, yeah, yeah, like oh, but it was, was one me? of the times that I felt like just very pissed off in my life. I had basically went for graphic design mm. and I had already started. I loved college. I loved the friends I met there. I made some very good friends there that I'm still friends with. And they're very successful now. They're designing for Freetail Brewery and making their beer. No design. shit, dude. The friends, oh, that's so badass, dude, The bro. friends I was there with, they're doing that now. And it's amazing. Um, but at the same time, I'll just put this perspective there. Perspective there. That same guy that made that Freetail Brewery thing was once my intern in college because he was using his hours to work for me because I had dropped out and he had started working at my agency and I said hey I'll give you an intern opportunity by working for me and he got his intern hours by doing that but yeah I went to Incarnate Word University went for this uh, CGI BFA which is a graphic designer and bachelors of fine Mm -hmm. arts and I had went for a semester and I finished a semester um well, actually, it was at the actually it was the beginning of the second semester, okay. which is when I dropped out. So the first day of the second semester, I go to school, and I'm like, man, I'm ready. I'm waiting there for a um, shuttle because it's Incarnate Word, and you have to take a shuttle from class to class because it's so huge. So I'm waiting there. I missed the shuttle. So <laughs> every shuttle runs 15 minutes. So I'm like, okay, I'm already late to my class. Uh-huh. So now I'm about to be 15 minutes late to my class. <laughs> And this professor specifically is one of the guys that calls you out when you're late. Right, like he's a hard ass, yeah. He's a hard ass. So I was like, man, uh, I already know. I was like, so I can't be late. So I knew that I had missed the uh, shuttle. So I start walking. And I was like, I'm going to make it to this class. I'm going to beat the shuttle. Well, in Incarnate Word, it's a whole track. 
their track has oh shit it's, dude. it's going through forests yeah like you could run through the track and run through forests like that's how big the village is of incarnate world <laughs> so i'm walking dude through this forest past all the dorms because that's where the dorms are towards this forest uh-huh. and i'm walking then i get towards the um you know the study hall and then i get towards the area where the lunch and the cafeteria is mm-hmm. and i'm walking then finally like not even lying, like 25 minutes later, I'm finally made it to my class. And I'm walking up the stairs to get to my class, like just sweaty and red and just like, man, what the hell am I going through for this <laughs> first class of this semester? And I walk in, I was like, wait, I know this professor from last year. This is the guy that calls you out when you're late. Oh, fuck. In front of everybody? In front of everybody. And it's this like, is the guy uh, that's Mr. Just... Exactly. Yeah. So he said he, he saw you walk in the classroom, and then what happened? Yeah, so I was about to walk in the classroom, and right when I'm about to walk in, I just started feeling just very negative. I was like, man, I walked almost 15 minutes just to get where I'm at now. Uh-huh. And I already know once I walk in, this professor is going to call me out. He's going to say something that's going to embarrass yeah. me. He's going to pull some Will Smith, some Chris Rock stuff. And I'm, I feel like I'm about to be smacked in the face. Oh, yeah. So right before I was like, I don't, don't want to get smacked in the face. I just screw this guy. I'm just done with it all. You mm-hmm. know. So I just said, you know what? I'm not going in there. I was about to walk in. I turn around and I go straight to my car. Mm. And I go straight in my car, and like you said from the beginning, I had beer in my backpack, and it was hot beer. Yeah. So I went in, and I <laughs> warm took a beer, chunk of bro. that warm, hot Fuck. beer. I was like, man, I knew I was going to have it with this. Yeah. And at that point, I was like, why am I here? So I went straight home. Uh-huh. So I thought that was me dropping out. Uh-huh. This is me dropping out. This is the act of dropping out. You said to be like, dude, fuck this. Like, this is... Exactly. Fuck this. So I felt that was the act of me dropping out. I didn't know that is not how you drop out. Mm. The way you drop out is by sending an official message to them and saying, this is how I'm going to drop out. And this is what I'm going to do. I didn't do any of that. So after that had happened, I got an email saying, you never dropped out. You're responsible. We're starting you with this next semester. And you still owe all the money for this semester with financial aid and blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, man, I really should have sent a message saying that I'm done. <laughs> but because I just gave up and went to yeah. go hide. Yeah. Now that they're saying you owe this, you owe that, blah, blah, blah. But I believe Obama is the one who paid off my, uh, your, my your student loan. My student loan. Damn, yeah. dude, you got lucky, man. I did get lucky. And since then, he's he cleared it off and uh, I didn't have to pay anything from my... Uh, <laughs> college education <laughs> well you know what did uh one one thing that i heard from a, a favorite singer that i have that that i listened to is that he went to college too i think he also dropped out but there's always that that plus that you get from going to college whether you uh drop out or not you gain knowledge you take it with you um unfortunately you know some people still have that debt but you got lucky and um after that, dude, after that phase of like, you know what, and, and at least you made an effort. Dude. You you took a step that not a lot of people would have the balls to, you know, because th- going to college is scary, man. You got to borrow a lot of money. You got to borrow a lot of money and then you got to fucking pay it back. You know what I'm saying? So after that phase of, uh, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. What was your next step in life after after all that? I didn't have a plan. And that's the thing. I didn't have a plan when I dropped out. 
I had actually just dropped out because I dropped out and I didn't have a plan. So what I actually did after that was thinking, okay, now that I have dropped out, I made this easy. The first thing I thought was I need to explain this to my parents. How oh, am I, I going to explain to my parents that I just dropped out? It's like, uh, I have to explain to them. So after I went through that, I had started to realize I still need to make money. Mm-hmm. I still need to do things that are going to bring an in income. So what I ended up doing after that was putting my portfolio on Indeed.com and I applied to multiple agencies across Texas. Right. Okay. And I said, I'm a graphic designer. This is my portfolio. This is what I've done. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, a lot of people require degrees. And Right. I see that all the time too on Indeed, man. Exactly. <laughs> but with graphic design, as long as you have a great portfolio, you're uh-huh. good. So I had some in my portfolio. I had some great work. Like I said, it was Soldier Boy and Soldier Boy, or however you say it. Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy. I had some portfolio with a lot of big artists and country rock and blah, blah, blah. My portfolio stood out, and it made the people who had Incarnate Word accept me. And that's the only reason why I got accepted into college was because of my portfolio. Uh So I do give everything that I've done in my work and everything that to my portfolio and that's the only reason I got accepted there but at the same time you know once I had dropped out it was kind of a thing of what am I going to do now mm. so I went to work for a place called Red Rattler Agency uh-huh. and then I went to go work for a place called um, so it was from job to job at that point right like, yeah okay, exactly they were called, uh, I went to another place called Schweiki and they were a print agency I had I went from work to work to work to work and I just kept working for these agencies until finally I got screwed over. Uh-huh. And uh, the guy who hired me had said, hey, I'm not going to be able to pay you right now, but I'm going to pay you within two weeks. Is that fine? Uh-huh. And me being 17, 18, <laughs> I said, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Until it got to where a month later and I still hadn't gotten paid. Uh-huh. But me being young... I didn't think it was a bad thing. Right, right, right. Until I finally started realizing I'm being screwed over. And I said, you know what? I'm done. I quit. And uh, I'm going to start working for myself. Mm -hmm. And even though I didn't have a lot of clients under my belt, I didn't have a lot of stuff under myself, Mm -hmm. I still knew I was going to make it on my own. So what I ended up doing was I went and I sent some messages to other personal clients I knew. I sent a message to all the businesses that I knew how to get in touch with. Mm -hmm. I sent a message to basically anyone that I could that had power that I said, this is what I do. I do graphic design and this is what I have to offer. Okay. And from there, it started getting me a little bit of clients and I started building from there. I started designing for them. I started doing websites for them. I started doing posters for them and I started building and building to where now I have work in, um, I mean, I have work also in Billboard Magazine. I have work with Grammy Award winning artists. Mm. I have work with people who, you know, my album designs are being competed with Grammy Award winning albums. But that's what I built myself to where I'm at now. Right. To the fact that I had believed I was going to do something now and it actually happened i see uh, i started off with flyers like i said with soldier boy some mm-hmm. local shows mm-hmm. but building up and meeting the people that i did gave me opportunities to now that i'm doing stuff at a much bigger level right right um, okay which yeah it basically brings in a thing it was like hey you don't have to 
wish and wish and wish to get something. Yes. It's like as long as you work and yeah. be- begin somewhere, yeah. something's going to come out of it. Yeah, yeah, dude. I, I agree 100%, man. And um, I'll, I'll keep this short and sweet because, um, you know, I like to keep it about, about the person I'm interviewing. But one thing that I learned, dude, is um, I talked to my friend the other day, actually today, and all he's doing is working right now, bro. There's no free time, right? And one thing that I realized myself is I need to do the same thing. No free time, bro. Let me just fucking work these hours at my job. And that's going to give me an opportunity to gain more revenue. And with you, bro, uh, shit, I lost where, uh, my bad. I, I forgot. <laughs> let's, let's go back. I was going somewhere with this. What, what did you say again? My bad. So basically when there's an opportunity to make more money than the average person that's making more money. Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Going back to that. So then I realized, bro, like uh, sacrifice time, make the revenue now. Because in the long run, you're going to have so much time to do whatever the fuck you want, right? So at this point right now, you, Arturo Knight, you have enough time to like to do whatever you want. Like I see that you've gone to Disney World a couple times, you know what I'm saying? Like you you splurge only because you've already put in the work, gained the, the revenue from sacrificing time to put in the footwork to do whatever the fuck you want now. Like is that... Am I on point with that or correct me if I'm wrong? No, yeah, it's exactly right. The thing is, you know, when you want something, you have to also create an opportunity to create what you want. Mm -hmm. You know, wanting something is very different from creating something that you want. And what I do and I specialize in is if I I want to go to Disney four to five times a year, how am I going to make that happen? How can I how to can enjoy I, yourself, right? How yeah. can I enjoy myself and what <laughs> yeah. do I have to do yeah, to make that happen? Right. So what I do to make that happen is I work my my A off to make sure that I'm gonna make enough money to you afford that. You can bro, you work your fucking, yeah, work my fucking, fucking ass, ass off. Motherfucker. Yeah, I work it off to make it happen, but at the same time I make sure like I'm not gonna be spending this money when I can invest it in another way to right. make more money. Right. So when I do go on, it is vacation to me. Mm. It is having a good time. I do go to Disney at least three to four times a year. Uh-huh. But it's, excuse me, it's only because I built myself up to be able to do that. Right. Exactly. I had uh, expected this to happen. Right. Things I created had um, built up to. This right, right, it's manifested. You manifested it, bro. And, and I think anybody who's listening to this right now, bro, I, I think anybody, anyone is capable of doing whatever they want, dude. And I feel like I'm living proof of that. Now, keep it short, dude. Like before, dude, I was jumping from job to job, man. I was struggling, dude. Like I was even grabbing change from a piggy bank, literally from a piggy bank, just to get some tall boys. And I think back on that, and then I look at myself now, and I feel like you know. I deserve this, bro, because I struggled hard, but it didn't fall on my lap. You know what I'm saying? I put my resume on Indeed.com. I I looked, and I got a good opportunity. Now, that opportunity is going to give me more opportunities. So speaking of opportunities, bro, what drove you to start doing uh, – you wanted to talk about the, the NFTs, right, or the NFT that you have going on. So, so tell me – Tell me about that, bro. Yes. Talk to me. So I recently started getting into NFTs, cryptocurrency, and all that kind of cool stuff. But where I had started was thinking, how can an artist like me mm. make benefit from something that's digitally done? Uh-huh. And from there, kind of, kind of 
got my ideas thinking. How can I bridge music with NFTs? Or how can I bridge music with... With the future, I guess. The future. Yeah, with the future, you know, right. It's a, it's a new thing because no one else is thinking about that. They're not. <laughs> They're not. So it's also a brand new thing to think of. How can I create something that people are going to accept mm. but also not think I'm just a crazy guy? Right, right. Like from Back to the Future, just speaking out like, hey, like a paper boy... You know, like trying to throw out <laughs> news, you know? It's yeah. like, how do you get people to accept what you're saying and make it into something realistic? So from there, basically, I came up with the idea of I love NFTs. I love cryptocurrency. And I love giving uh, my fans and people who listen a power of being able to make something valuable mm. from the people they love, the artists they love, the music they love. Now, imagine being able to put something on the radio and every time you played it, you made money. You know, that is something different that no one's ever experienced mm -hmm. because it's something that is very new, but also at the same time, it's something that people won't believe because it's never been done. Right, right. So the way this can be done is through NFTs. Uh -huh. And what I'm doing is I created a metaverse rock band called the Mad Apes. Mm -hmm. And the Mad Apes are a digital group of basically the next gorillas. And the gorillas are 2D, right? The Mad Apes are 3D. Right. And we have music already on Spotify, Amazon Music. To tie know. in with that, with that digital yes, art, right? Exactly, to tie in with the digital art. So what I'm doing is basically creating a new digital band that can be supported by real people and the power that these real people bring to this project uh -huh. is real fans real interactions real um people who listen to this music are real people so when they actually listen to this music they also make money so when one wants to invest in the music mm. how can you invest in it mm. and if the Gorillas were in Vets in nowadays, and the Gorillas are one of the biggest bands to exist. I think they were ahead of their time, weren't they? Exactly. Like, over 2000? But yeah. imagine if you were able to invest in the Gorillas. Imagine how rich you would be nowadays seeing how big they are now. Mm. So the opportunity that I'm giving right now is being able to invest in something near like the Gorillas, but also it's brand new. Okay. These are real musicians. These This is real music put behind real musicians. And only one of these NFTs gives you opportunity to not only create a, a revenue stream for you through a um, through royalties and streams from the music through Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube, and so, so you're forth. giving the, you're giving the power back to the consumer or the, the artist to both people, both the people? consumer okay. and the artist. So the artist is able to make real money from their investors, which is the community, right? Their right. fans. But also the fans, the investors themselves, mm. are able to make money by believing in this artist and saying, hey, I believe in this artist, so I'm going to invest in them, whether it's an NFT or just investing my own money towards them. And this NFT now is going to grow in value. I see. Now, imagine if every single band that existed right now, uh -huh. imagine if you could invest in them. I know you were speaking to me earlier how you can invest in a stock market. Right, yeah. Now, imagine if the stock market was bands. 
Now, um, think of the biggest band you can think of and how far they would make it in the industry. First thing that comes to mind is Metallica, bro. Like okay, Metallica. Up. So you would invest in Metallica because they're going to be something huge in the future, right? Right, right. So imagine right now investing in the Gorillas mm-hmm. before they even became the Gorillas. And then like 20 years later. 20 years later. Like, <laughs> now you're yeah. you're living it up. You're a millionaire. Yeah. And that's the opportunity that I'm giving to these NFTs. Okay. Every single song that I release, you're able to invest in this NFT and make mm. up to 20% royalties uh-huh. from this one song. Okay. So every single time a song is released, and mm. by the way, Right now, I'm working with like Eric Bobo from Cypress Hill. Nice. You know, Scott Page from Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. Once these songs are released, if you're able to invest in this song and there's only 500 spots to do that, uh-huh. you get 20% royalties for the rest of your life as long as you own the NFT. So as big as these songs get, every single stream that's played and the average uh, percentage uh, of cents you get per every stream is 44 cents. So Are you going based off of Spotify or Spotify only? Okay. Yes. Okay. Spotify gives forty four cents per play. So if you're able to average forty four cents per play and divide it into the amount of times that a song is played, uh-huh. you can make a lot of money. And especially if there's a whole community or audience of NFT investors uh-huh. willing to play your song over and over and over, there's going to be a lot of money that can be made every single stream or play that's made. So what you're saying is you're kind of cutting out the middleman, which is the record labor, right? Exactly. Which I know we talked about. um, I said how, in my opinion, in the next probably 10 years, the record labels will probably be obsolete. I honestly think right now in the time that we live in, that a lot of artists are doing things themselves, DIY, right? Um, with, with, With me saying that, what is your knowledge on like record labels putting money up front? I know that times have changed, bro. From what I know, and excuse my ignorance, I'm just going off speculation. I always say that to make sure, you know, because I don't want people to get the wrong idea that I, I say this and I, I know this. I don't know. Um, what I think is back in the day, the record labels gave money up front to bands that they thought they could invest in to make money off of, right? Let's take Molly Crew, for example. So the record labels, they give them a, a cash advance, right? But they got that back tenfold, right? They got it back tenfold. Probably like, not 100% tenfold. Nah, what do you mean? So, Let's talk about that, dude. I, I, I'll tell you, the way the, Ray, the, the records work is that, yes, they'll give you millions of dollars or thousands. Even my own band, Jessica, has been approached by a supposed Sony Records. I mean, people, I mean... They're willing to throw thousands and millions of dollars in your face. But why so freely are they are they willing to do that because though? Because they see your value. Right. You know, okay. Like how I see your value in this podcast, I would say I'm willing to throw you a, a million dollars right now, but for every single view you get for the next ten years, I want ten percent of every single mm. payment you get from monetization on YouTube. Okay. That's where the value comes in. Uh-huh. So a lot of times, these record labels are saying, hey, we're going to give you a million dollars right now. Uh, up front. Up front. Uh-huh. And these artists think, this is the best deal <laughs> I've ever made in my entire life. <laughs> yeah. But what actually happens is you're under contract now. Right. Now you owe 
a million dollars. It's not that you were given a you million dollars. Like you were they borrowed. You were borrowed yeah, yeah, a million yeah. dollars. Okay. Uh-huh. So now you have to pay back a million dollars through your performances, your merch, and your streams. Record sales too. Yeah. Record sales. The only way the record label believes they're going to make that money back is mm. by what they believe. Okay. So the average artist nowadays, even though you think that your industry and you believe what you're doing works, if your record label does not believe in that, mm. they're going to change you up. They're going to force you to be the way that they believe that you can make money. I see. And if you were not in the position of doing something that makes money, you're going to be in the position of bowing down to the record label just to make money to fulfill your contract. I see. And you're no longer an artist. You're now a servant. You're now a slave to the record industry because now the only way to get out of this contract mm. is by doing exactly what they want. I'm glad that you brought that up, dude, because I, I've always wondered about that too. Thank you. I, I wasn't really for sure about it. And now I understand why uh, my guitarist and my band was was so skeptical about people approaching us is because you have to be careful who you work with, right? They're gonna They're gonna tell you all kinds of things, right? Right, of course, that's the selling point. But what's the fine print? And with that being said, dude, uh, you talking about the NFT with, uh, connected to the music, now I'm thinking the future. So if I'm thinking about the future now, do you think it's safe to say that we could just do like virtual concerts? I think I saw like one for VR. I think it was Marshmallow or I think it was DJ Kiyoki. Like you're gonna pay five bucks, and you're gonna put the VR headset. Like, do you think now? I think we're leaning towards that now that times are changing with the music I, industry. I, I do think we're leaning towards that, but I also don't believe. Thank you. That that should be a hundred percent what you should do. As a musician myself, I do believe in the future, but there's also going to be an industry of physical concerts. Don't get me wrong; physical concerts aren't going to die out. You okay. Know, going to a concert. I'm glad you said that. Okay. Going to a concert in real life, that's not going to stop. Mm. What a virtual concert does for you, it's not ending nothing. All it's doing is offering another opportunity for revenue. For or... not revenue, but another opportunity to give the fans of this act another way to experience this band. You know, if you are the Gorillas, uh-huh. of course. I've seen the gorillas up in LA one time and I was it was one of the most badass times I've ever experienced. Was it was it the digital digital performance or was it them like on stage? Them like, on stage. Oh, it's it was them on stage. Okay. And it was amazing. But at the same time, if I were to experience that in metaverse, of course it would be amazing. Mm. But I would still want that physical sensation of seeing the singer of the gorillas in front of me. So don't get me wrong. Yes, the metaverse is going to Oh, the experience, I guess. The experience right, is going right, to be right, there. Right, 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 But for people who, like the gorillas are only going on tour in specific parts of the world. Right, right. They're That's not, pretty badass. They're, they're not touring the entire world. Right. So if you're not able to experience the gorillas in your country, imagine being able to experience the gorillas in your country, but through a... <laughs> virtual reality headset yeah. 
it sounds different and it sounds new, but that's what it is. When you go to a concert, it's through the feelings of touch, sense, like a euphoria. Feel, euphoria. Yeah. It's the same thing when you have a virtual headset on because you get the euphoria. Of course, you get the senses, you get the smells. You Sometimes you get the feeling, you get the music. Being in virtual reality is a total new experience versus just going to a concert by yourself mm. and waiting in the back behind thousands of people trying to get a good view of that band. Mm. You know, the metaverse is a way to experience a band or a concert without anyone competing in front of you. Okay. You get to experience this artist straightforward digitally at your own home. Yeah. Laying in your own bed. While drinking a beer or while something. While drinking <laughs> a beer. And that's Look, yeah. the classic thing about this. Is there's no decision of, hey, are you are you active enough to go out tonight's show? Like, do mm. you want to drive 20 miles to go through this concert? Or maybe if you're antisocial, like you don't want to deal with people. Exactly. You, know, you could be there. That, yeah, dude. I can exactly. see that. I can see that. A lot of concerts, will, they would be perfect experience through headphones like I have on right now. And a, and a VR. And a VR yeah. in front of you because there's a lot of people like me and you. I would rather be at a home experiencing this than being out with hundreds of people giving my energy out towards right. them and hoping that I feel good at the end of the night. So with all that being said, dude, like I know we can go on and on about like your ventures and how you and I just see life differently, what we want to do with our lives. Um, how can someone purchase this NFT with the music related and, and get revenue out of it with uh, the royalties? Yeah, so just to start off, an NFT is a non-fungible token. Just to explain to someone who doesn't know what an NFT is, it can be anything. It could be music, it can be artwork. It or even be, a post on Twitter, right? Like this it can be a screenshot. post on Twitter, yeah. <laughs> An NFT can be anything that you want it to be. But specifically with my project, The Mad Apes, what I'm doing is I'm releasing 20% royalties in every single song that is created in this digital rock band, which is called The Mad Apes. Mad Apes. And the NFTs that you actually buy are not only the characters that you invest in, but also the music that you're investing in. You know, once you invest in this actual music... Sorry. <laughs> my, my door's open, guys. My bad. Sorry. We're in the Fast and Furious yeah. movie 2.0. 3.0. <laughs> 3.0. No, but go ahead. But once you invest in this actual music, you're able to invest in also the future of this band. How many bands are you able to invest in the future of them? None. Not many. Not none, right none of them. No, 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 so none. imagine some of the top bands that you love, but imagine being able to invest in them mm. and being able to invest in the future of this band, being able to invest in the ideals and ideas of this band, and being able to invest in their views, oh, yeah. their viewpoints. Oh, That's yeah. where I'm at right now. Imagine investing in the gorillas before they were the gorillas. Right, right now I created the Mad Apes. Where the Gorillas 2.0 really have music on Spotify, Amazon. It already Hell exists. Yeah. So if you're interested in investing in one of these NFTs, just go to themadapes.com. And this this NFT project basically is based on taking the record label out of the situation. Because record labels take thousands out of your money. Imagine having a project where you can invest directly into the artist. And when you invest in the artist... 
what you make back from that is in your NFT, you know, royalties. The madapes.com is the newest madapes.com, you hear that? Meta group, meta rock group that exists and we're the first one that exists and in the future you're going to see many artists that exist in the metaverse. But keep in mind the Mad Apes is the first one that did it. And once these rock groups and hip-hop groups and pop groups start hitting the metaverse, keep in mind, it's gonna. this is not the end. This is just the beginning. More and more artists are going to be in the metaverse. More and more artists are going to turn digital. And more and more artists... Times are, are changing. Times are changing. More and more artists are going to be Web 3.0. Tell them where else they can find you, Arturo, with the Jessica and all that. Yeah, like, if you're interested in, in finding me, you could find me at... at I am Arturo Knight on Instagram. You can find me on TikTok. I have over 200,000 followers at Arturo Knight. I teach e-com on there as well. You could also just Google my name, Arturo Knight. I'm going on tour this May with Ingve Malmsteen with Jesse Kill, my band. Keep in touch with me. And also on top of that, if you want to learn some e-commerce, just check out my TikTok channel. I offer free, valuable insights on starting an online e-commerce store for free. Just follow at Arturo Knight. Got you. That's it, everybody. Yo, uh, thank you so much for listening in. This is Arturo. We're talking with Turo, and I have Arturo, and we have another Arturo here. We, we had have a, a heart to heart, an art to <laughs> an art. art, to art. <laughs> and we had a, we just had an art to art. <laughs> we did experience <laughs> right now. But thank you guys so much for listening in. This is like I'm coming back on this. I've been slacking off. I need to be more consistent. Me and Arturo agree that Gary V is like a very good like a speaker that I listen to. He listens to for sure. Yes. So for anyone else that's like trying to like do something with their lives, man, just go fucking do it, man. Like time is short, you know what I mean? And and we don't know if we're gonna be alive tomorrow, so just do it. But thank you guys so much for listening. And this is talking with Turo. See y'all later.